just FF, you're wasting everyone's time. And I'm like, I listen, like you can leave, I'm I'm gonna stay in this lobby because if I'm getting out class this hard, this is an opportunity to learn. All right, Ty, welcome to the Infinite Boost Podcast. Why don't you let everybody know just a little bit about your Rocket League adventures? All right, so um when it comes to Rocket League, um, I first experienced the game uh, back on PlayStation 4 when it was released for, uh, I guess it was PlayStation Plus, like the free-to-play when it first came out. So I played that with my friends for like, uh, I don't know, two months or something and uh, kind of put it down for a couple years. And then um, it would have been uh, late 2018, early 2019, I picked it back up and then I got a PC a couple months later and sort of been... Uh, grinding it ever since i i haven't been able to put the game down it's a lot of fun i think now now that you say that i remember you saying that one night that you really didn't start playing seriously until 2018 2019 and you're sitting at what gc2 right now yeah that's correct okay so like how how much do you play ranked like in a in a given season how many games are you usually getting in and what is your main play your main game mode right okay um so i guess my well my to start off my main playlist is definitely 3v3 i'm a 3v3 standard enjoyer um i'd say like my average amount of games probably per rank season at least in in threes is probably like three to four hundred i would guess and then uh maybe like a hundred and in twos and I don't know, 10, 20 and ones. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that uh, I'd say that's about the average. I definitely, when some of the longer seasons, the numbers get higher up there. And then when we were quarantined last year, it was, it was the numbers were higher again, but that's about the average I'd say. Okay. So how many days a week do you play? Um, How many days a week do I play? It's probably like five, five days a week, maybe six. Okay. So then do you play games every single time you sit down to play the game? Ranked games? No. Sometimes, uh, some days I'll just do casual or like some days if I'm just in a Discord call hanging out with my friends, just sit in free play to keep my hands busy. <laughs> okay. So, so, but there are, you do play some casual games as well. Yeah. Okay. How much have you been playing casual since they switched over to the new system? Um uh a decent bit i um i I don't know i play casual probably more than i play ranked so yeah a a good bit definitely oh you play casual more than you play ranked i would say so yeah okay and you did mention friends but i feel like you've said in the past that you mostly play on your own yeah yeah in rocket league i'm uh definitely a, a solo solo queue kind of guy um, when I mention friends, it's just like my real life friends. Not a lot of them play Rocket League, so we'll just like sit in a Discord call and talk or whatever, and um, I'll just have Rocket League on in the background to do something. But yeah, definitely a solo queue kind of guy. Okay, and then so when you're getting in your hours on like a normal day, how much do you play games, whether that's casual or ranked, and how much are you in free play or training packs or things of that nature? Um, yeah, so I think it sort of depends on the day. Like if I, a lot of times when I get on, I'll just hop right into a casual game, see how I'm playing. 
Um, and if I'm just sort of like feeling good, I'll just keep playing casual or maybe I'll just hop into a ranked like if I'm really feeling good. Um, and if I'm playing like pretty bad, I'll probably just sit in free play or, or do some training packs or, or something like that. Okay. What do you what do you think your overall goal is for the game of Rocket League? Like where would you like to see yourself or what what do you hope to get out of the game eventually? Um that's a tough question. I don't know if I have like a specific end goal. I just want to keep getting better at the game. Um so like when I look at cuz I like to watch the esport a lot. So when I look at what they can do and I'm like, "Well, I wish I could do that." Yeah. Um, so I just want to keep getting better um as as high as I can get. Um I don't have any any aspirations to go pro or anything like that. I just mm-hmm. like I just enjoy the improvement. Yeah. So I guess it's is it reasonable to say that you would like to be SSL? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so there, and I mean, obviously you've been able to improve or get pretty good at the game in a shorter period of time than most, so the work is obviously there. And would you say there, I I guess I'm a little surprised that you're not saying that you're going right into a like some kind of training routine that you might hop into games first and then sometimes just play games so would you say that you try to keep yourself in some kind of a routine or you're focused on doing something very specific or you just kind of are whatever you feel like yeah um definitely more of the whatever i feel like side of things um a lot of times what i'll do is like um how I mentioned I'll just play games or whatever. Like if I'm really grinding ranked and trying to get my my like rank up or whatever, um, I'll just like play games. I, I don't really have a focus um, for how I'm training. And then if I hit a plateau in my rank, then I'll sort of focus on like specific things. Like I'll maybe watch a replay or two and, and see what I need to improve on. And um, apart from that, um as i said once i plateau i focus on specific things but then sometimes i'll also just like if i see a fun mechanic or shot i want to just do i sometimes focus on that like i recently i've kind of been working on the wall dashes a little bit but here and there (laughs) so yeah nothing specific for the most part but uh, okay yeah what can you remember the last plateau that you hit and what that felt like what you went through and and what that process looked like for you to kind of break through that yeah um so my last plateau would have been uh i guess it would have been around the 1500 mmr so like just before what gc was I, it's obviously gc is lower now but it was like pre just like a 20 mmr before gc or something like that um in the old system and i was stuck at that rating for like a year um and i just i couldn't get through it um and so one time uh, I just I stopped playing ranked and just grinded casual and like mechanic training packs, like double taps specifically and like recoveries for like a month and a half. And then I got back on the ranked grind and closed out my first GC rewards at the end of free to play season two. And then I skyrocketed all the way up to like 1600, 1650 peak in threes, 1750 peak in tournaments. And I've been sitting in 1600 ever since. Okay, so that was that was in season two, though. 
Yeah, season two of Free to Play. So I think that was like February 2021 or something okay. like that. Do you feel like you're still improving? Like right now, do you feel like you are in an improvement cycle? I'm definitely improving, but I think I'm starting to hit another plateau like right now. I'm kind, so I'm kind of noticing that I'm like starting to slow down and like not uh, be able to push higher again. So like I've kind of... Uh, I don't, well, I, like I said, I hit I hit a peak about sixteen fifty like two weeks ago, and I haven't been able to hit it again. So I think I'm kind of getting to that area where I want to uh, sit down and, and start focusing more on more specific things again. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think because what you say about like consistently improving or seeing the improvement is something that I've been. I mean, obviously, I've been thinking about it for years, but I think I've been more uh, intentional about it for the past few months. And how I use actually playing games and then actually spend time training so that I am consistently improving, or at least what feels like I'm consistently improving, has changed a lot. So when you say that you just sit down and and play games and kind of wait for that plateau, I mean, how how you've been now, I guess since the middle of season two, you said you've been in the 1600s. Yeah. So that's maybe the beginning of this year to now, but now you're getting to a point where you feel like you're kind of been in the same place for a while. So what has the past few months, maybe even like maybe the summer, if you can kind of reflect on the summer where you might've been in that same place but not necessarily doing anything to improve or continue to push. Like, how did you feel about your game then? Right. So I think that when it comes to sort of from the start of the summer to now um, and being in that 1600 range, it was less of me fitting into the game and not being able to properly push higher and more about me still adjusting to the speed at that rank. Um, So I think I had to spend a couple of months just playing ranked at that level to really sort of adapt to it and and really feel like I could contribute to the game um, at that pace. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And I, I see where you're coming from in terms of there, there is a point in time in, in the process of learning where you just need to play a lot of games because it's the games that help you attune to the play style and getting better and, and things of that nature. So what were the things you adjusted? What are the things that you learned or grew into that helped you move from just kind of trying to get used to it and then feeling comfortable in that rank? Right. So I think um, uh, some of the things that I really noticed I needed to do was um, take better or sorry, more intentional touches. Obviously, you try to improve that all the time, but um, I, I really noticed that I was lacking in that area. So whether that's making sure to clear the ball into space or to a teammate, or if that's taking a first touch and, and trying to take it up the wall and get it past a defender or two, um, just being intentional with my touches and trying to read the play better so I can be positioned better to get the ball and keep possession. Have you ever worked with a, a coach or done any like intramural leagues or anything like that for Rocket League? 
Um, I had uh, two sessions with um, Combo. You, I think you've had Combo oh, on yeah, the podcast yeah. uh-huh. a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, back when he was coaching last year. Um, I had two sessions with him. I was, I think that was back when I was still like champ three or something. Um, but yeah, he uh, really helped me with my game in the sort of positioning sense. Um, so that was good. Um, and then uh, I guess it would have been sort of over the winter that just passed. Or I guess, well, we're kind of coming up on a, another winter. But <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of at the start of this year, um, I had... Uh, a couple of replays reviewed on stream by Chicago. Um, okay. So those were very helpful. He points out a lot of mistakes that I would never see reviewing my own replays. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of good things, but I haven't had any coaching uh, since, yeah, about February. I, I know that Chicago or you've been a part of his community for a long time. Is that something that he offered as like a sub thing or it's just like, Hey, Ty, you've been here forever. Let me watch some of your replays. How'd you get that hookup? Yeah, that was, um, he did them for um, tier two subscriptions on Twitch. And then sometimes he would just, uh, I think he's done some for a couple people in his community just for like YouTube content as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I had a, a opportunity from um, the Twitch Twitch side of things to get a couple of replays reviewed. So that was Got good. it. Do you have any other sports or gaming background besides Rocket League, or were you a big gamer before Rocket League? Yeah, um, so I did uh, 10 years of martial arts um, from starting when I was a kid into my uh, teenage years, um, and then I also was a pretty big gamer before Rocket League as well, so um, a bit of both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you feel like that has influenced your ability to get where you are in Rocket League? Yeah, um, on the martial arts side of things, I think um, I really sort of through that learned to always be accepting of of what my limitations are um, and how to, if I see that I am at my limit, how to properly train and to sort of break through those limits. Um, and then on the gaming side of things, I think just, uh, I don't know, the mental resilience, if you want to call it that, just like mm-hmm. playing a lot of games that might tilt you um, and just sort of not tilting and trying to keep a level head. So, yeah. Speaking of that, that is something that I've been working with myself over the past couple of days. And it's it's a constant feedback loop for me of improving and then running into those one or two guys, especially like I've been playing a lot of casual games, so I'll get into lobbies and then stick with these same two people that I just can't beat and continue to get frustrated. I'm like, oh, I've gotten so much better. And then you run into those people that are just like, no, look at me. You haven't gotten better at all. How how do you work through that process, especially coming up now to where you're feeling that plateau again? Uh does that create any frustration for you or is that just like a reminder of, Oh, here we are again. You know, what are those feelings that come up for you as you're getting to that plateau area again? Yeah. I think there's always a little bit of frustration when you see people that are like a clear step above you, especially if you want to be improving like I do, because you see, again, it just shows your limits uh, in another way. 
Um, and when I see that, obviously, like I'm like you, I'll, I'll try to stay in the lobby and, and play as much as possible. I think like I had a, a ranked game, a ranked twos game the other day. Um, I think it was like GC, low GC2 or something. And we lost like, I don't know, it was been like two, two to eight or something like that. And my teammate, Oof. like halfway through the game was like, just like, just FF, you're wasting everyone's time. And I'm like, I listen, like you can leave. I'm, I'm going to stay in this lobby because if I'm getting outclassed this hard, this is an opportunity to learn like this. I'm getting outclassed and, and I just, I got to adapt and, and see what these guys are doing that I'm not prepared for or that I'm not doing. And um, I always, I really like seeing people that are better than me, especially how they beat me specifically. Mm-hmm. What was the difference with with that game? What was happening? Okay, yeah. So that specific game, um, I think they were like doing a really good job of um, like boost starving us and sort of not giving us any time on the ball. Like we, they have pressure in our half for like uh, like a minute or for like forty five seconds or something. And like by the time we had possession of the ball, we we'd have like twenty boosts or, or something like that. So like you try to dribble it out or whatever, and they they'd take a mid boost and half rotate cut back in and just take the ball off you right like that so what i learned is you gotta once you get possession of the ball you have to take a good first touch and then judging on how much boost you have you have to do either a way to drop the ball take the 50 and keep possession or uh, a good flick that might get over the first guy and then also be awkward for the second guy to, to catch for example um so it's just about uh discovering new ways to to keep possession or make your opponents awkward i think i that that's actually something that i've been thinking about a lot in my own games and and a really big opportunity i feel like for me to improve or to take my game to a different level or area is keeping possession through a clear or being able to create a possession instead of just hitting the ball down the field. So what are what are some things that you do or you see in your games that higher GC1s or GC2s do to kind of in that transition phase from defense to offense or defense to transition that might not include just slamming the ball down the field? Because I see that so a lot of what I see is people just hitting the ball. And this is still in like, low GC one, right. Or high champ three, people will just slam the ball down the field or people will try to slam the ball down the field and somebody will just fly in, just like jump in the air to get the block. And that works so much because people just want to slam the ball. Uh, so like, what are the things that you see that isn't that? Yeah, so um, two specific things come to mind. The first is, um, for example, if you're the team that's breaking out and trying to transition, if you get possession of the ball kind of in your corner as your opponents are sort of going uh, back to get boost or like getting a mid boost and like one's getting a back boost or something, if you have a bit of time on the ball, if you can take a first touch um, and start dribbling the ball and do it close to the wall, and if you can wait and make sure you have your opponent in your sights, um, for when he's challenging you, then you can either cut it infield or cut it up the wall and to keep possession. And if you cut it infield, you can it's easy to lay off to a teammate or whatever. And if you go up the wall, then you can you can air dribble or you can you can pass a high ball mid. Um, and then for another example, um, a lot of the times, uh, 
what I personally do and what a lot of people do in GC2 and especially in threes where I'm at um, is you'll see a lot of people going, even when you're under pressure, um, you'll see a lot of people going upfield and, and trying to take away your opponent's corner boost or, or, or mid boost, for example. And if your team can get a decent clear off the back wall and you can sort of come from an opponent's blind spot and sort of get a redirect into their half, it's a mm. good way to make them awkward and, and keep your, uh, or sorry, uh, break their pressure and get yourself a transition. Hmm. So even going farther upfield to come from a place that they don't really even see you. Mm-hmm. That's that's interesting. And that happens on a consistent basis. Yeah, decently often, I would say. I just said consistent basis, and somebody told me last week to not say consistent basis. <laughs> so I will try to not say that. I, and it's something that I'm working on. One thing that I've I've also tried to do, and I would encourage people in my level and below to do this is, and I've heard Rizzo talk about this too, waiting on the sidewall to try and get, because somebody might not necessarily be trying to pass you the ball, but if you can be on that sidewall to continue their hit Mm -hmm. that goes towards the sidewall and kind of clear the ball up further down the field, that's extremely effective as well. But I've, I've certainly realized over the past couple of weeks that one of the biggest blind spots in my play level is not being able to clear the ball or just start a possession or create some kind of transition. And that can, that can really be frustrating. And then on top of that, if you're playing a very smothering offensive team and they might not necessarily even being be putting pressure on your goal, but just hitting the ball over and over again, that can throw people out of whack. Like, do you ever play those teams where they move really fast and hit the ball a bunch, but the their touches don't really do anything? Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, if you're, like, say they've got, like, a, one person hits a ball off the backboard, the second guy tries to take a shot or something, hits it off the backboard, and, like, they're both running back, and, like, the third guy just comes in and hits it off the backboard or whatever for no reason. Like, there's just, like you're going so fast and you're not having any vision or taking time to, to look where your teammates are to know how, if you're the third guy coming in, right. And your teammates are going back to get boots. Your job isn't to try to pass the ball mid or take a shot. Like you, well, you can take a shot, but your job is to, to stall for them to get boost, right? Like you're not trying to go as fast as you can and you'll just end up losing possession and, and having a counterattack. And at the same time, like, okay, so these first two guys comes in, one of them takes your corner boost, and because, you know, they make your teammates panic. And so even though they may not be doing anything with the ball, they steal both your corner boosts and your teammates are panicking all over the place. And then you're left in this last third guy that's flailing in, like you said, might actually get a shot. So I have to jump for that. But then these people have already rotated back around. So the onslaught continues. And it's almost like this this combination of them not doing anything, but us panicking a bunch leads to just a mess and us losing even more boost. So I, I'm leading to this question of how do you deal with kind of more chaotic players, fast, chaotic players? Like, do you see a lot of that in GC2? Do the touches become more controlled when people are playing like at a, at a very high speed or is it still just the same nonsense? 
just yeah. even faster. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's sort of a bit of both. Um, if teams are going that fast, a lot of the time they'll still be very chaotic, but a lot of the time people know when to, to slow it down or, or, or try to be more intentional with their touches like I was mentioning earlier. But um, when it comes to dealing with those those times when people are going extremely fast and, and the play is very chaotic. I think especially when you're in defense, like if you're getting pressured and they're just hitting the ball like past you and you're like you mentioned, your team is all panicking and like you're jumping and stuff. Really what you want to do is you want to try to get in net with a lot of boost, I think. And you have to do a really good job of sort of evaluating what's going to be a threatening play. And if they don't have a threatening touch or a touch that's going to go to a teammate for a threatening touch, you can just let them hit it. And you can let them hit it, and you just know where the ball is going to go, and you try to be there before they're there. And if you can do that and stay calm, then that's going to shut them down. So that's what I would do. That's what I do. <laughs> how do you how do how do you stay calm? How does that happen? Um, I I don't know. You just uh, try to stay calm. I don't know. It's um definitely something I think playing like a uh, a lot of games and and. And sports and stuff helps with them. Um, I think it's just all about nerves, really. Like if you're if you're relaxed and you're you're not nervous, then it's a lot easier to stay calm. Um, a lot of times, what I'll do is like I play with music on, so I'm just I'm focusing on the music. I'm a lot of the times so I'm just trying to autopilot and and just be in the flow state. So if if I'm in the flow state and I'm not focused, I'm not panicking and I'm playing smarter. Yeah, but that makes it just sound like it's so easy. If it were that, if it <laughs> if were it that, that easy, easy, what why doesn't everybody do it? I yeah, I don't know. It's it's not something I can do consistently. That's for sure. But that's what you got to aspire to do. I think rather than like it's not something you, you can really uh, do consistently. Like if you're gonna panic, you're gonna panic, right? But if you can get if you can get to that relaxed state, then I think you can um, really really abuse teams that uh, do that high chaotic play how do you feel you are at determining like a threat level of a play this is one thing that i've been trying to think more about as well yeah i think um i'm personally pretty good at it um especially when it comes to teams that are um like the teams that like to hit the ball hard and to each other a lot of pass that's what i like to do a lot of the time when i play the game is i'm very much a go fast hit the ball hard um, to a place that the opponents can't reach it or to my teammate. So um, when I see people playing like that, I, I very much know what they're going to do and what their mindset is. So I'm good at uh, sort of evaluating how they're going to be um, attacking us and what's going to be a threatening shot and what's going to be sort of a, a shot pass to no one that gives us a bit of space. Um, but when it comes to sort of people that like to slow the play down more, sort of especially ground dribbling, I probably need to play more 1v1 to get good at this, but I'm definitely uh, not the best at um, defending those. And then uh, I think I'm pretty decent at sort of evaluating if uh, someone's going to be giving a good shot out of an air dribble or like a, a double tap or a flip reset or something like that. So I think really it's just uh, it just takes time and experience to understand what you would do in a situation and what people that have different mindsets would do in the situation. I think that comes just from playing with a lot of people with a lot of different play styles, really. Mm. I think one of the things that I've found can help people improve the most from 
even like mid champ all the way down to the mid like i think a diamond player that makes better decisions could very quickly become a champ player like i feel like the biggest difference in between those two levels is decision making mm-hmm. i feel a champ one player depending on what kind of champ one player it is could very quickly make their way through the ranks if their decision making is improved what do you what do you feel like and is i i it seems to me that you have done a good job of kind of learning the process of the flow of a game how how would you assist somebody or tell somebody to kind of adjust how they look at the game to be a better decision maker yeah um so if i was to try to help on someone understand how to be a better decision maker in rocket league ah that's a tough question um i think what you really want to do is sort of like i was mentioning earlier is you want to be able to understand what your teammates and your opponents want to do with the ball so whether that comes from taking the time in the game to watch where your opponents are coming from their momentum and what they've done their tendencies so far in the game or whether that's looking back at some replays from opponents point of views or teammates point of views um then i think you really want to at least in in my perspective coming from someone that solo queues a lot is what you're going to want to do is you want to make everything difficult for your opponents by putting them in positions that they aren't comfortable with while at the same time making life easier on your teammates, giving them lots of space, um, opening the field for them and sort of being where they might not be to cover holes in your defense. Um, It's just, it's really a lot about just enabling your team and making your opponents awkward. I I had something and then exactly how I wanted to frame it went away. (laughs) Um, Give me just a second. Well, hey there. While Tom's remembering what he wanted to say, I want to take a quick minute to tell you about the sponsor of this show, and that's Manscaped.com. Now, here on the Infinite Boost podcast, we talk a lot about things that we know we should do but don't necessarily do. Spending time in free play, spending time in training packs, watching replays. Well, the products at Manscaped.com are kind of the same thing. Things that we know we should do, but we just don't take the time to do them. Whether it's investing in a great razor, a nice body wash, a deodorant, or a lotion, Manscaped.com has tons of great products for you that you may not necessarily think to use or think are important, but once you start using them, you ask yourself, why didn't I do this before? So do uh, do yourself a favor, do me a favor, and go check out manscaped.com. Spend a little extra time on yourself because I can guarantee you that you will not regret it afterwards. And while you're at it, use the code I wanted just Tom for 20% off and free shipping. Now back to you, Tom. Say say the last couple things you said again, please. Yeah, um so um the way that I look at it at least from a, a solo queue perspective is Basically, all of your decisions should be to make your opponents as awkward as possible, while at the same time giving your uh, team as much space and the ability to do with the ball exactly what they want to do, pretty much. So then I th- I think going to the the next phase of is, is almost when you decide to take an attempt on the ball, 
or try to get a touch on the ball. How often, one thing that I've noticed that I've been doing more is going to a certain spot on the field, preparing myself for what I think might happen, and then either, and and then just responding to that, whether that might be actually going for the ball or not going for the ball. And one thing that I've noticed that has Im- helped improve my play is not going for the ball as often. Mm-hmm. How often would you say you turn off of the ball when you feel like you are in a, a place that you are about to go for it. Yeah. Um, I think I do that quite a bit actually. Um, especially if there's like uh, people on my team that really like are, are good with the ball or, or really want to go for the ball. They don't even have to be good. Like if they're just going for the ball, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll be the one to back off. That's fine. That's perfectly fine by me. Um, if the ball is like getting cleared high and I'm in a position where I could jump and maybe cut it off at midfield, but my teammate behind me wants to go, like, I'll just, I'll go back. That's perfectly fine by me. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with leaving a ball. If your teammates are in a position to, to cover it. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. I I think that's just a very nice way to put it. I think it's a good thing, really, to just leave. Just yep. some, just leave, uh, because you know I go back to something that I said in the last episode that really, and I don't think that I put this into effect as much as I could in my gameplay recently. Is that it? It really does not take much to be an extremely effective Rocket League player, at least statistically speaking. You could touch the ball four times, have four goals, and be the MVP on a team from touching the ball four or five times. And, you know, you might not go through that replay and realize that you touched the ball five times, but you feel really good about that game when you have four goals or you have, you know, three saves and a goal. You might have only touched the ball five times, but you had a heck of a game. And that's the that's the thing that, you know, still kind of, uh, is racking my brain or something that I, you know, need to think about more. And something that, you know, you mentioned earlier is about just getting more effective touches, uh, is, is really just a big thing that keeps rotating in my mind. What, what do you feel like is some of the most effective stuff you do with the ball right now in your own games? Like what do you, what do you feel like is bringing you a lot of success? Right. Um, so I sort of alluded to it earlier with uh, mentioning how I like to play the game very fast and, and hard. Um, but it's a lot of the time um, I'll, I'll clear the ball. Like if we're, if uh, we're on offense and they get a, a big clear back and I'm third man, I'm going to come back as fast as possible. I'll use a lot of my boost um, and I'll, sort of try to drift in and and get it to a good position where I can half volley the ball back over a couple defenders heads, um, especially to try to make it awkward for them. And then um, if I can't do that, if the ball is getting cleared too far over my head, then I'll, I'll oftentimes I'll fly up to the ball, take a soft touch, try to just touch it with the front of my wheels or, or something like that into the corner um, and then land and recover so that I can try to take another touch and beat a defender. Um, it, it, I think it's really a lot about just, trying to beat one guy you just that's your job right is you got to beat your guy and i think that's what i focus on a lot um and if i can beat more than one guy then that is a bonus and i'm going to do that every time 
Mm-hmm. Did you kind of come up with that thought process yourself, that be the one guy kind of mentality? Um, I, I'm sure it's, it's been mentioned elsewhere plenty of times, but that's sort of always been my, my mentality since like, I was ever since I started playing the game. It's just, if there's three of us on the field and I beat one guy, then I've done my job. <laughs> so nice. that's just, that's how I think about it. How has the beat one guy mentality involved for you as you ranked up, ranked, ranked up, ranked up, ranked up. So I think. I I think because it you can't do the same thing in every rank and at the same time there is something to be said about being able to hit the ball to where your po- opponents aren't mm-hmm. or where it's going to make them very uncomfortable. How how have you developed that skill over time? Because that's something that I've been thinking about personally and something that I don't think that I'm very good at. Right. Um so I think that comes down to a lot of um uh sort of how i've gone and plateaued before is i wasn't able to sort of do what i wanted with the ball and that takes obviously the time like for example when i first hit gc i had put in a lot of time into developing my mechanics more and so as you go up in the ranks and the beat one guy mentality gets more difficult because people are better you have to be more creative and sort of you have to be able to do more things with the ball to open up your options and make it more difficult for the defender to be able to beat that one guy or maybe two or three um, based on, on how their challenge, how their positioning is. But it's, it's really about giving yourself as many options as possible, whether that's through um, playing with your team and, and doing a lot of passes that, take a player out of uh, the game one by one or whether that's um, going for an air dribble and getting over one guy going under another guy you know like it's all it's all uh, just about your options Mm -hmm. how do you discover new options in in various ranks how have you kind of developed those ideas that have turned into strategies so for me, really, I think that's um, where it comes back to how much I watch the professional scene. Um, like, I'll see them doing things that I know I'm not doing in game, and I'll say, well, if I do this, like, it'll improve my game. This is what they do. So I, I try to model myself off of professional players as much as possible. Um, so when I, I look at um, them, for example, like I'll see how they... Uh, so if, if we were talking about how they uh, sit on the on the sidewalls and wait for a clear or whatever, like we mentioned earlier, that wasn't something I did back when I was in like, Diamond or whatever, right? So I see that in from them doing it, and I'm saying, well, I'm going to do that. And eventually, um, as you get up there, like your people start passing you the ball, and you get breakout transitions, and and then it comes down to, well, these guys air dribble a bunch, so I'm going to air dribble, and I'm going to get good at this mechanic, and it's uh, it's really for me the professional scene is an inspiration and um it's it's a way to discover new options mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how are your air dribbles um they're pretty good i would say probably average for gc2 um I, i'm able to uh pull off some some fancy flashy mechanics from time to time definitely not consistent by any means yet but um pretty pretty decent what's your favorite way to practice an air dribble my favorite way to practice an air dribble um i 
I would say there's two. Um, definitely in free play, just rolling the ball up the wall and, and taking it off the sidewall. Um, and then I'm a big, big fan of Squishy's a little bit of everything trading pack. Um, I think it's shot five in that pack where the ball sort of bounces up um, and then you go up and you, you air dribble it from the from the, the ground. So <laughs> yeah, those are definitely uh, the two the two big ways that I practice those. When you started practicing air dribbles, how long did it take you to go from being able to execute in free play or in training pack to execute in a game and then going from executing in a game to actually executing effectively in a game? Um, probably quite a while. And I like think... what rank were you at? Yeah, so... When I first started, um, like, kind of being um, forced to develop my mechanics more, it was when I was um, in that sort of C3, like, Champ 3 area and, and trying to push into GC. Um, and I, I could kind of, like, air dribble. I could, I could do okay control or whatever. But um, it really became when I wanted to do that GC push that I really focused on developing my aerial control. Um, and I think it took me probably... Um, a couple months to sort of be able to do it in game and be able to beat like a player or two with like an air dribble or, or a flip reset or a double tap kind of. Um, and then it's taken me even even more like up until now, I, I'm, I wouldn't even say I'm consistent at being able to like pull them off and, and have them be the right option all the time. Mm hmm. When you were making that push into Grand Champ for the first time, what were, and you just mentioned aerial control a little bit, what do you feel like were some of your biggest weaknesses that you had to shore up to make that extra push into GC? Right. So um, the big one that I actually remember talking about in, uh, I can't remember if it was your Discord or a different one, but um, when I first hit GC, it was, um, something that I had uh, always been good with was the speed. It was my entire playstyle, really. Um, and so I turned that into focusing on recoveries. And instead of going fast and hitting the ball hard, I took more time and went fast to the ball, hit the ball soft, recovered, and used my, my speed to go and hit the ball again and sort of take up to like three touches at a time and beat multiple defenders. And that was really what I focused on. It came down really to recovery mechanics, I think. Mm -hmm. Expand or dive into those recovery mechanics a little. I, I feel like I've been also focusing on my recovery mechanics. I'm interested to see what you have to say about it though, because obviously as you get higher in ranks, every little bit more helps. Like it becomes so minuscule, the things that matter. Yeah, so um, it was uh, sort of focusing on the things like um, making sure I, I, I was doing power sliding properly, um, not sort of like doing half a power slide and then like letting go of the button or whatever, and I'd end up not where I wanted to be or not turned all the way around properly. Or it was um, making sure I'm landing after I hit the ball in the air, making sure I'm landing with my car the correct way, the way that I want to land so I can follow the ball again, or um, being able to sort of uh, make sure my speed flips were clean and make sure my wave dashes were clean and just really 
fine tuning all of these things that I could do and really making sure that they were um, at the level that I needed them to be at. Do you speed flip on a consistent basis? Yeah, uh, it's it's muscle memory at this point. Like I, I don't even think about it. I speed flip everywhere I go. Yeah, so it's it's not really normal flips for you anymore. No, yeah, barely at all. Hmm. What do you feel like you are weakest at now as a player? What is your biggest weakness? Uh, my biggest weakness right now is definitely my my sidewall. Uh, reads definitely so like if uh, you got a kickoff and it's goes ricocheting hard off the sidewall um, I, I can hit them decently enough but I won't always get the right hit so it's about mm. me sort of um, learning the timings and the, the correct reads of how to get to the ball and be able to hit the ball how I want to um, so that's definitely something I've been sort of noticing and starting to work on more recently and it's come down to me sort of um doing less air rolling and, and spinning in the air and focusing more on um trying to predict where the ball will go properly as opposed to just uh going for the ball <laughs> in general would you say that you spin a lot in the air oh yeah <laughs> i am a i am a spinny <laughs> player that's for sure okay i so i've been th- trying to i've been working on my air roll left and and trying to add in a little bit of spin every now and then and i've noticed that my reads are not good or not as good as they could be to be able to just like jump at the ball and then hold my arrow left and then the ball in my car magically just meet i can't do that and in your opinion, as somebody that's probably been spinning for a lot longer than me, it's not as easy to control your car or make those finer adjustments when you are holding down on arrow left. Or have I just not put in enough time? Um, I don't know if I would say it's, it's harder to make those fine adjustments with like an arrow left or an arrow right. I, I would say it's more complicated because of if you're holding that and moving your stick at the same time, you're moving in three different directions, right? But I think mm-hmm. as you get better with it, it is sort of easier to adjust your car to where you want it to because you do have that extra control, if that makes sense. Because it's in three directions. Yeah. I don't know if it, like I'm explaining that right, but like you obviously, it's it, you can make adjustments good or easily while you're not air rolling because there's only like four directions or however many you can turn <laughs> but the up down the t- left and right yeah, yeah but by the time you incorporate the air rolling um you can have more precise uh like directional changes so i think like that is a good advantage and i think it's worth developing the skill for mm-hmm I'm very, I, I think I'm a little, I have an idea of the value of it. And I think just because I haven't gotten to a place where I guess it's twofold. I haven't gotten to a place where I can control the car that well while I'm spinning. And one of the things of watching people that are so good at spinning is usually a freestylers or B pros. And they're so good at the reading the ball that when they're jumping in the air, they they already know where the ball is going to be. 
So they don't have to make these adjustments. So when you're watching them air rolling, they just go to the ball. It's like a magnet. So you don't have to see them making those adjustments. Or maybe they're so good at making those adjustments that you can't even tell that they're making them. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I think that uh, that's really just like, I think it's just that amount of time really that they've put into it like i think um if you go back and you sort of like look like if you download like sometimes i'll download like um some rlcs replays or whatever and and watch it from like a specific person's point of view um Mm -hmm. they actually air roll a lot less than you think um so like a lot of the time they'll just be like straight flying or something like they won't be spinning all the way there or whatever um so something i'm trying to do a bit less of myself um but yeah i think like you said they obviously have these reads almost down perfectly so they're... it's aggravating <laughs> yeah it really is it really is but yeah i think um they don't air roll as much as you think but at the same time they could i think because of how good their reads are mm-hmm. how long have you i guess how did you get started actually going for aerials and doing all of the spinning like i do like a moderate or intermediate aerial pack and try to just air roll from the get-go and i just i just cannot control my card nearly as well and again i'm very early and i don't want to discredit the idea of air rolling that much and i just i just can't i can't do it so like how long have you been working on that yeah um it's probably been like two years, maybe more because well, if I don't have that kind of time. like when I, <laughs> when I got the game, I had, um, it must've been like when I was in platinum or something, I, I bound both arrow left and arrow right on my controller. And that was just how I arrowed. Like I didn't have normal arrow. So that mm-hmm. was just, I, I've just basically my entire playing career. I I've, been using it i don't even remember like when it started <laughs> where do you have it bound on your where do you have them bound um so i don't have arrow left bound anymore i've got regular arrow on my left bumper um and i have arrow right on my right bumper oh you got rid of the left one huh mm-hmm. okay so when did you start going for aerials or getting into the air and then air rolling primarily instead of just straight going for aerials um i'm not entirely sure if i had to guess it probably would have been like around like champ two champ three something like that Um, and did you work on that in training packs or is it just i mean there has there has to be some disintegration of ability to go for the ball when you're like i'm just gonna air roll for everything instead of just going for aerials yeah i remember um I, I like I said I don't remember exactly what rank I was, but I remember doing um a lot of the like the speed jump rings three, um I I practiced that um quite a bit, sort of to get down like the proper muscle memory for all the air rolling and stuff, and then it came to the point where when I was doing like training packs like for air dribbles or like double taps or something, I would I would be using just like the air roll right, um a lot of the time. So it it uh took a lot of time for sure. Um, I'm still working on it, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. 
That's, uh, now you're actually pulling back on it a little bit. I Yes, I am, yeah. How are you practicing those reads off the wall? Because that's something that I've noticed that I also struggle with and miss a lot of balls that, or have in the past. I feel like I'm getting better at it. But how have you found ways to work on that? Because I, there's not really like a good training pack, or I feel like being able to work on it in an organic way creates the most success uh, because working on the same shot, like you get, you can maybe get down that one shot, but going for a ball like that and figuring out the timing is a lot more productive when it's a little bit more organic, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I really haven't figured out any way to like train it in training or, or anything for that matter. So for me, it's really just going for them more in game <laughs> that's uh I'm, I'm basically just sending it up there i'm like all right the ball is coming hard off the wall i'm gonna go for this ball <laughs> yeah nice but i mean you you have good reads on double taps backboard shots like how how are your reads on those yeah i they're pretty pretty decent um if i can get like a good setup um where i'm not like hitting the ball and my car is like going all crazy and i'm like oh well i can't can't recover like if i get a uh, a good setup where the ball is going to the backboard and i um are still able to control my car and boost through it um then i i think i've got pretty good backboard reads but i think that comes um a lot easier than sidewall reads because of how rocket league is played where even if you're not going for a double tap or whatever a lot of the time there's backboard offense and you're seeing a lot of these reads off the backboard a lot more than sidewall reads mm. I would, I guess if you're thinking about learning it completely in game, I wouldn't disagree with you there. And I feel like the learning process is very similar. It's, it's just not as easy necessarily to create those situations for yourself. Like if whey protein would come out with a training pack of, you know, 50 sidewall shots. If you're listening to this, work on that pack because that would be beautiful. But it's it's something you know you don't see as often. The shot that comes to mind to me immediately is it's either like the first or the second one in shots you shouldn't miss in that fickle platypus pack. Mm-hmm. Like that is a sidewall, what I would consider a sidewall read and is not easy because it's just so unnatural. Like, is that the kind of shot that you're talking about? Yeah. So shots like those where you can um, sort of be on the ground and you're, you got to jump up to like kind of meet the ball and be able to put a powerful shot on. Like I know the shot you're talking about. Um, I quite enjoy that pack. Um, and then also like ones that are way high in the air, like those ones I struggle with a lot. So mm-hmm. like where you're kind of in your third or something and the ball comes like ricocheting off and you're trying to go up to meet it and, and hit a, the ball how you want to i find really difficult right now um but yeah so shots like those and then shots that are even higher in the air for sure i think it's so fascinating how people can find different things at different times in the game like what you're talking about now is a gc2 and i'm not going to sit here and say that i can hit those shots better than you but you know, being able to get those touches is something that I've been thinking a lot more and what I feel like has been able to get me from, you know, champ three 
into low GC. And I feel like just timing in general and, and things like that. But being where you are, those timings become a lot more difficult because you have to get to them faster, right? Like it becomes, it's one thing being able to do them. And it's another thing being able to do them at the speed that you need to do them to do it successfully. So I I think uh, I'll, I'll be intrigued to hear about, you know, as your training starts to pick up, is this has this something as as you transition into noticing that you're in this plateau how do you feel like or how do you think you would change your play habits to take the next step right so what i usually do and what i did last time is um like i mentioned before i'll take a break from from ranked usually um and just spend more time in custom training packs and free play um, specifically. And then I'll usually go into casual matches to practice some in-game. Um, so that's really how I differ my play sessions. I won't do much ranked, if anything. Um, and then sometimes when I'm motivated, I check in some 1v1 games to Blah. really punish myself. But <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's how it differs. No ranked, pretty much. I'm not super convinced, and of course, you know, I'm just me, and I, like, the the players that I look at as players that I want to emulate or that I, I enjoy, I mean, Justin is one of them, doesn't play ones. Like, he's, he's not a ones player. I'm not convinced that it is completely necessary to play ones to become as good of a player as you can. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't think it's necessary. Um, I think it helps you improve faster probably, but it's definitely not necessary. Um, in my opinion, what about it helps you improve in your Um, opinion? Yeah, I think it's just, um, it's it's only you on the field, right? You don't have to wait. Like obviously, it's not going to help you improve your your team game, but um, it's going to just give you more opportunities on the ball. Um, so you just have more more time to focus on on your skills and your ball control, um, and your defensive positioning. And it's just um, it's only you out there. You can't rely on anyone else, and you've got to make the plays all game. Yeah, I think if I once I start working on my flicks a little bit more, that's my flicks and a little bit more of intricate bar bar, bar control, ball control. I think eventually I'm going to just get to a point right now. I'm working on double tap playground and backboard therapy a lot, like working on those reads, getting my car control in the air, my accuracy, those things. I'm, I'm really trying to hone those in. And I think what is going to be next is getting that eventful level ball control on the ground. And I think once I can start doing some of those things, I might play some ones just to like actually be able to execute them and test myself. But until then, I right now where I'm at with my game and where I'm trying, I I see no reason to put myself into that sad, sad situation. Yeah. I would I would be intrigued. I 
on your thoughts on this. Um, like one thing that I found very beneficial for myself is, I mean, I still play a decent amount of games, but that's more my stubbornness, but using those games more as like, I guess, you know, when you do play casual games, when you get into this training mode, uh, what what kind of thoughts or what kind of mindset are you going into the games with? And do are you looking for certain things? Are you working on certain things? And then when coming out of those, how does that uh, notify what you're working on? Right. So when I go into a casual game after I've been sort of focusing on a specific skill, um, a lot of the times um, I won't overly force that specific scenario. Like if I'm um, if I'm working on on air dribbles, for example, I won't every single time I've got a position, I won't try to air dribble. Um, But it's something that you sort of put a bit more emphasis on, I think. Um, And then as you go, if you're not noticing improvements or if you are noticing improvements, um, then I think you you either go back, you, you spend more time training the, the thing, or you say, well, I've improved. Uh, I've improved a bit. I'm noticing it in my game specifically. Um, and then I will focus on, on something else. How do you feel like you knew or got to a place where you had a better understanding of of your rank? Like, did you just wake up one day and you're like, oh, now I know what it's like to be a GC2? Or I guess what were some of the things that you noticed in those games as you were going through that gameplay learning process that you noticed and then were able to adapt and evolve into? Right. Um, I think it really comes down to um, sort of watching what my teammates and my opponents are doing that was sort of outplaying me or putting me in weird spots. Um, So a lot of the time uh, I was sort of doing too much back and forth on the field, like uh, almost ball chasing, but just sort of like trying to keep up with the play where instead of I could have just sort of stayed in, in my sector of the field or whatever and just waiting for the ball to come. It was like learning about that, what we talked about earlier that it's okay to just leave the play sometimes um mm-hmm. if if you need to it's it's fine to just go back um so that one was a that was a big one and then um it was uh, a lot of the times um being there trying to position myself for my teammates hits um so i wasn't doing a very good job of of following up on what my teammates were doing um so i had to learn to position myself whether that's uh as we're doing a breakout, if uh, I'm the third person in net and the first person passes to the second guy up the field, I need to be in the middle of the field to receive the fir- the second guy's pass back down mm. into mid for a shot, right? So there was, it's just, it's a lot of specific scenarios where I wasn't in the right place or I was staying in the play too long. Um, and then also, obviously, just I- improving my general um, capability with card control and ball control. Mm-hmm. Do you upload your stuff to ball chasing um i don't think i have auto upload on my bacchus mod turned on i know uh i have them like sometimes i'll just go through it and and upload stuff but i don't Mm -hmm. think it's on automatically do you know like what your average speed is per game like you say you play fast i'm curious like how fast that is yeah i 
I don't know, unfortunately. I'm not sure. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) I'd be curious because especially since you... And it's something that I pay attention to because I know that like to be able to get better, I have to be able to play faster. And I've thought to myself a couple times in my Rocket League career, oh, I'm just going to go fast. But there's such a big difference in between fast, effective, and just fast for the sake of fast. Mm-hmm. So I'd be I'd be curious to know, like, as as it's been like your focus or kind of your play style, as you said the whole time, exactly like how fast you play now. Well, I'm curious uh, if you had to say that you wanted to be in a certain place in Rocket League in 90 days. So it's like. Basically, the by the end of the year, the start of 2022, where is Ty in Rocket League? 2022. Hmm. Um, like it right at the very beginning. Yeah. Um. I I don't know if this is uh me not being ambitious enough, but I think I I really just like to be 1650, like consistently. Instead of um, just hitting it once and falling back down to to regular sixteen hundred and like sixteen ten or whatever, I think just that just that slight bit more. I think is sixteen fifty GC three? No, no, I think that's seventeen fifteen or something like that. Okay. Do you feel like there's that? Is there that big of a difference in between like a sixteen fifty and low sixteen hundred? Um, not that big of a difference but a noticeable one noticeable enough that i am struggling to make that push right now okay how many ranked games would you say that you've played in in the past week uh in the past week i'm not sure maybe like 30 and and so you've you've been kind of just going up and down right around that 1600 level the whole time yep I think that's that's so interesting. Huh. And do you feel like a lot of that um, I I think that's so interesting because it you know I wonder if you have any thoughts on those little pockets of MMR. Do you feel like they just continue to shrink? as you get better. So like some people might get stuck right now in the 1600 to 1650, somewhere in between there. But then the next one up might just be 1650 to 1675. But of course, at the same time, that's only like a two game difference. Like you win two games and you go from 1650 to 1670. But at the same, like, is, is that something that happens where people get just like kind of stuck in these, pockets or do you think it's a little bit of like a mentality thing for you like are you like do you get to 1650 and you're just like okay this is this is my shot to keep going and you just kind of psych yourself out yeah um i think there's definitely um some truth to the the pockets of mmr as you say shrinking i think that's natural on um, the way that the player base sort of declines like people at specific ranks as you go higher in the ranks, right? So like there's less people 
1700 than there are in 1600 so it's going to be harder to climb sort of thing yeah um i think so i think that's natural and then also there's um some some credence to the mentality bit i remember when i first hit gc um like not even like the first time i got reward my rewards in season two but like when i first like touched gc like in like season 14 of the regular rocket league like i was like i hit it and i was like holy crap <laughs> holy crap holy crap like i was like freaking out um and, and sort of like you're like so nervous to queue and like i just i was so nervous i played so bad i just lost it instantly like <laughs> yeah there's definitely definitely the mentality bit um for sure i wonder about this as well how what is the lowest mmr you've had in the past season and a half yeah um I, um, let's see. So I hit, uh, GC for the first time at the end of season two. And then I peaked, I was like 1600 or something. And then when season three started, I like did horrible. I couldn't play the game. I went down to like 1480 or something. Um, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't understand what I was doing. And I just, I just brute forced it eventually. And after like two weeks or something, I was back up at like 1600 or whatever, but like, yeah, like 14, 1480, I think. And how long were you there? Um, it, it would have been like probably like a week, a week and a half. And then I started climbing again. Okay. Because I, I, I'm curious to know, I, I think people fall into these pockets and then people just get used to a certain play style in those pockets. And then there are some people, because you always see like the GCs that end up in like champ two or champ one or like low champ three. And then, you know, they complain and they whine and they're just like, they just get stuck there because they want to play a certain way and they can't kind of use the ability that they have to just chill out or calm down or take what comes to them to move back up. So... I'd be curious to see what it would look like for you to go to like 1350 or low 1400s and see how you fare in that MMR and kind of make that way back up to to the mid or like to 1600 or even like the mid 1500s. Like what the, what that would feel like for you. Like have you played with any champ twos or like champ ones recently to kind of experience what that would be like for you to be in a lobby of champ ones um i haven't i haven't played with anyone um around that rank recently um i know one thing i, do I think that say, would be a very interesting experiment yeah i i definitely agree i think that um i was going to mention when it came to sort of that 1480 and we were, you were kind of mentioning about like the specific play styles in like pockets of mmr i think that's something that solo queuing in general has really taught me um is like i was mentioning earlier just making the game easy for my teammates and hard for my opponents um mm -hmm. i think that's why it's like only takes me when i drop down to that below 1500 mark like the game feels completely different like it's a whole different game right um and it just takes you a while to adjust but that's what solo queuing has taught me i think is it, it's taught me to adjust to how my teammates play um, and that's why I was able to properly sort of make my push back up in not mm -hmm. too long of a amount of time. Yeah. You have the, you have a very unusual desire to help your teammates and be supportive. 
which I'm is is probably not the standard meta for a solo queue player. So <laughs> yeah. that's why it didn't last as long as one might expect when you kind of get out of your your comfort zone, whether that's higher or or lower. So okay, so Ty wants to be sixteen fifty by the end of the year consistently. If you were being more ambitious, if you were really shooting for the stars at the beginning of 2022, where would you be with Rocket League? If I was shooting for the stars, if like my absolute peak that I think I might be able to do would be like, um, like sort of 1700, like GC3, 1750 peak. I, I, in during season three, that was um, what I was able to get my uh, my tournament rank to. I got my mm-hmm. tournament rank to 1750 peak, so it's like GC3 Div 2 or something like that. Um, so I think I would probably be capable of playing at that level if I put in the time for the next 90 days. I don't know if it's quite achievable. Yeah. Yeah, well, who knows? <laughs> just, because, uh, just because you don't think you like have the time to put in to do that is there is there that big of a difference in between where you're at and where like a low gc3 is play wise yeah i think so um yeah i they're just so so consistent compared to what i am where i'm at right now it's uh extremely hard (laughs) that's uh Part of me is just completely debilitated, like so upset by hearing that. And part of me is just so motivated by that at the same time. Would you consider yourself like an extremely competitive person? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Because on on one side, you're like, I want this. And part of me, part of you is just like, yeah. I. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, it's, I don't know how competitive is the right word or not but it's like i i really want to be competitive with myself and sort of always outdo myself i think Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and then uh, um when it comes to rocket league specifically competitively my drive isn't based purely on ranks a lot of time like i like to play tournaments a lot um i don't Mm -hmm have much time to play them a lot but like when rlcs is around like i sometimes if i've got time i'll play like the open calls or whatever i remember last year like i made top 128 um for one of the calls um and then over the summer i did um a canadian league called the telus esports series with um the zero and wabbits from asap and we made top 16 team in canada so like a lot of like those sort of stuff is what really gives me the drive that was like we were playing that and that's when i was like peaking in my tournament rank at like 1750 like i was really grinding and and mm-hmm. ranked by itself isn't the big motivator it's it's really just it's beating myself and improving myself i think mm-hmm. do you does that carry over into a lot of things that you do like you you're just into the consistent improvement yeah for sure for sure nice cool well very good i will i think i think you can push through 1650 I believe in you, Ty. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Everybody needs to just throw all of their support behind Ty getting to 1650 at least. 
at least. Well, I'll, I'll love to see it. Okay, cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Any final thoughts for the Infinite Boost listeners? Oh, any final thoughts? Any final thoughts? Just keep keep improving, everybody. Keep improving. That's what it's about. And just have such a pleasant demeanor about it, like Ty, too. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, on the internet, um, probably just my Twitter at Iverson Tyrell. That is it. And in the, in the booster club. That is correct. In the booster club. Join the discord, everybody. Yeah, we have, we have been talking more there. We've been looking over some replays every now and then you, me and Eliza and a couple other people, I think, uh, Chewy and gosh, who else? There was, there was one other person in there with us. I feel like. I can't remember. I'm not sure off the top of my head. But uh, we were looking at that replay of mine a little while ago of that that goofball with the <laughs> yeah. alpha hat that uh, that I said I was making him mad, but he gave up three goals, so fooey on him. <laughs> Anyways, we have good times, so come see us there. And uh, a question for the audience. Cool thing about question for the audience, an update to how we're doing it. Now on Spotify, you can actually, if you listen to the show on Spotify, even if you don't listen to the show on Spotify, you can now actually answer the question there. Like there's a little Q&A section on Spotify, so you can answer the question there. And I put a thing up for the episode last week and got a few responses. That was cool. So if you want to answer Ty, I don't know, Ty, where do you listen to the podcast? Spotify. There you go. Now, Ty will be able to see the answers to your question as soon as I pin them because I have to pin them so they're actually visible to other people. But answer him and then he can read them and people can see them. How cool is that? So (laughs) question for the audience. Question for the audience. What do you guys do to keep yourself in the proper mentality when you're playing the game? Whoa, getting heavy. It's a deep one. It's a deep one. Yeah. If you can actually ever be in the proper mentality, <laughs> yeah. how do you stay there? Cool. Go answer that on Spotify or in the Booster Club, whichever you'd prefer. Ty, again, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a joy. I appreciate you taking the time uh, on a whim and hanging out with me for a little while. So thank you for that. And thank you for the boost. Thank you very much for having me.